What happens in some churches when someone discovers Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit? They interrupt the status quo. Someone gets fired up for the Lord and they begin to talk about it. And the next thing you know, there's division. But cultural Christianity can kill real Christianity. The personal relationship with Jesus gets lost. People get wrapped up in all the programs of the church or the color of the choir robes or the way the pews are padded or what happened to the picture of Grandma Bertha out in the foyer. Church is no longer about knowing Jesus and sharing Jesus, but about all these things the church should be doing or not doing. And then all of a sudden, someone gets turned on to God. They come to know the Lord. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. They get so excited, they can't keep it to themselves. All of a sudden, the music isn't just a hymn or a song. It's an intimate expression of worship. All of a sudden, prayers aren't just wasted space and time. They become meaningful dialogues and communications with God. And all of a sudden, the sermon isn't just about a cute story the pastor told or how funny he or she is. It's about being taught the Word of God, and it's a meaning an application for one's life. Back to Jesus' question, is there going to be peace in that church? No. There will be division. And it happens all the time. It's a normal spiritual and social phenomenon in the kingdom of God, sadly. Is Jesus saying that division is good? No. I don't think so because of his teaching from John 17 that we'd all be one. I think he's saying that division is inevitable because we're human. Thank you for joining us for today's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today's message is entitled, Jesus the Divider. Here now is our speaker and teacher for A Word from the Lord, Archbishop Foley Beach, Archbishop of the Anglican Church in North America. A children's church teacher asked the children as they were on their way back from the service, now why is it necessary to be quiet in church? One little bright girl replied, because people are sleeping. (laughs) I hope that's not the case this morning. This morning's text from Luke chapter 12 is one of those passages that often causes you to scratch your head and say, Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? However, Jesus didn't waste words, and he's attempting to make an important point about life as a follower of his. It's a word that sometimes we don't want to hear, but we need to hear it if we're serious about following the Lord. So if you have your Bible, please open up to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 49. Luke writes, Meanwhile, a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another. And Jesus begins teaching them. In the midst of this teaching, he he says this, I have come to bring fire on earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, 
mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Then he said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Jesus begins in verse 49 with what I call the fire of persecution. Verse 49 again, I've come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. Now at first glance, it's easy to think this statement might be referring to the Holy Spirit. I mean, after all, we now know from Acts chapter 2 that on the day of the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended in tongues of what? Fire. And fire has become one of the emblems of the Holy Spirit. But this passage, fire has a different meaning, one that's probably not very popular. It's the fire of persecution which occurs when the gospel is preached without compromise. It's a fire of hostility which is set off in people when they take offense to hearing the gospel. The Greek word here is per. And although sometimes it can refer to the fire of holiness or the fire of purity or the fire of divine judgment, and sometimes it's used to talk about the fire of hell or the fire of the tongue. There's not much difference there, by the way. Here it means something quite different. And as we go through this passage, maybe it'll become a little clearer. Verse 50, we see a distressing baptism. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Jesus says he has a baptism to undergo. Now, he's already been baptized. Remember, Luke tells us earlier in Luke chapter 3 that he was baptized by John the baptizer. The word baptize means to immerse, to be sunk, to be dipped. In other writings of the first century, they would say a ship was baptized, meaning the ship was sunk. Or a piece of cloth was baptized in the dye, meaning it was stained with the color. Jesus is referring here to his death, that he would be immersed in death, that he would be dipped in death. Now, it was only a dipping, not a drowning. He would experience death, but it wouldn't hold him. Now remember, if Jesus is who we say He is, this would be something that He had never experienced before. For all eternity past, He's been in an intimate relationship with the Father, and now He is going to be separated from Him in death. He says here He's distressed until it's completed. But it's a baptism that He must undergo. It opens the way for all humanity to have a a path and peace to God. Remember, up until this time, the only way to be reconciled with God, and only that was briefly, was to sacrifice for one's sins by the shedding of the blood of goats and sheep. But even that fell short for the Jewish people, because rather than sharing it with their world, they kept it to themselves. But after Jesus undergoes this baptism, anyone who comes to Him in faith can be reconciled to God and have peace with Him. Then we see the gospel division, verse 51. Do you think I've come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, two against three. They will be divided 
Father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Well, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? This is a difficult passage even if you know the Bible. I thought Jesus was supposed to be the Prince of Peace. I thought Jesus said to his followers in John 14, 27, Peace I leave to you. My peace I give to you. I thought the Apostle Paul said that to the letter to the Philippians that I often say at the end of each service, and the peace of the Lord be with you. The peace of God which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Jesus. And isn't part of being filled with the Holy Spirit to have the fruit of the Spirit. And what's one of the fruit of the Spirit? Peace. And yet here Jesus is saying that He didn't come to bring peace, but division. And that families would be divided. Well, let's try to answer this apparent contradiction by looking first at how peace was used in the Bible. We find five main ways that peace is, the word peace is used in the Bible. First, we see that peace is used as an attribute of God, a description of who God is, part of the very nature of, of who God is, an attribute of God. One of the names of God we get from Judges 6.24 when Gideon was offering a sacrifice. He calls God Jehovah Shalom, God of peace. A title of God in the New Testament is the God of peace. Romans 15.33, the God of peace be with you, he writes. In Philippians 4.9, if you practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. And an interesting verse for those of us who love peace. Romans 16.20, the peace of God will soon crush Satan under your feet. So the first way peace is used is describing as an attribute of God, a characteristic of who he is. Peace is used to describe a state of mind or a condition of the spirit. A state of mind or a condition of the spirit. The word shalom in Hebrew means peace or to be safe, be happy, to be friendly, to be well. It means health and prosperity. Peace. God's peace with you. You recognize any of these phrases? Grace and peace to you from God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace be with you. Or go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Or the peace of the Lord be with you. Shalom. It's a state of mind or a condition of the heart. Third, peace is used to describe the fruit of the Holy Spirit. A fruit of the Holy Spirit. This takes shalom to a higher level. It's the natural manifestation of the Holy Spirit's work in one's life. Peace. It's often called inner peace. It's a gift which God gives those who follow Him. Peace. And then a fourth way this word is used in the Bible is to describe an absence of conflict. An absence of conflict between persons or groups of people or even nations. Peace. And this is how the word is mostly used today in our culture. Absence of conflict. As Christians, we're exhorted to be at peace with our brothers and our sisters. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. We don't always have to agree with our brothers and sisters, but we're to be at peace with one another. For some reason, we Christians just can't get a hold of this one. 
absence of conflict. Even in the church, it's amazing to me how people can let others ruin their peace in the Lord and with each other. Someone will say something or someone will do something which doesn't meet with so-and-so's approval. And the next thing you know, war has broken out. This shouldn't be. This isn't Christian. It's not peace. Sure, it's okay to disagree. But differences of opinion should not divide brothers and sisters. But they do. In church after church, brothers and sisters in the Lord are not at peace with one another. May God keep us from this kind of distraction from the gospel and from the mission of Christ. May God keep us in the unity of the Spirit. May we agree to disagree on things and live at peace. A fourth way that the word is used to the word peace is used to describe in the Bible is being in right relationship with God, being at peace with Him, being reconciled with Him, being in a right relationship with God. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, says it the best. In uh, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 13, he says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away, he's speaking of the Gentiles here, you who are once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier and the dividing wall of hostility, By abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, meaning the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, meaning the Jews. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Peace with God, being reconciled with him, being made in a right relationship with him through what he's done for us on the cross. So basically there are five different ways that we see peace used in the Bible. An attribute of God, a fruit of the Holy Spirit, that inner peace, a state of mind, a condition of your heart. An absence of conflict, whether it's between people or nations or individuals. And then being in right relationship with God through Jesus. So back to this passage. So what is Jesus getting at here? Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. It's my humble opinion that Jesus is saying here, Do you think that I came to bring absence of conflict on the earth? No. I tell you, but division. Eugene Peterson, in his version of the Bible called The Message, translates the the verse this way. Do you think that I came to smooth things over and make everything nice? Not so. I've come to disrupt and confront. Yes, he wants us to have peace with God, being reconciled with him. Yes, He wants us to have peace with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that indwelling peace. Yes, He wants us to be at peace with our brother and our sister. But when you lift Him up, when you stand up for Him, there is going to be division. In John 16, Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. 
In Him we do have peace, but when we go about doing what He asks us and we stand for the gospel, it creates division. We experience tribulation. I think Jesus is describing a natural phenomenon in the kingdom. And He doesn't want His followers to be deceived in thinking there will never be a cost. When you take a stand on the gospel, there will be division. When you don't go along with the crowd, there will be division. Many of you have vividly lived out what Jesus was teaching in this passage. Families divided, friends divided, churches divided. You've taken a stand for the biblical gospel of Jesus Christ and you've lived this passage. Friends have not understood you. Friends have ridiculed you. Family members have said things which hurt. You've experienced persecution and division which has cost you. Now, some would say that this is just a normal reaction to any change. But I think what Jesus is saying here is that there will be those when you stand up for Him and when you stand up for His teaching and the reality of the gospel, there will be some people who won't tolerate it. They will not sit quietly and let you obey God. They'll come after you. A Muslim who decides to follow Jesus must do so in secret or risk being killed or treated as dead by his family. Friends who are sharing the gospel with Muslims in the Middle East tell me that they're continuing to do incredible things and see an incredible response, but that new believers have to keep it secret in the closet in order to stay alive and make disciples. What happens in some churches when Someone discovers Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. They interrupt the status quo. Someone gets fired up for the Lord, and they begin to talk about it, and the next thing you know, there's division. A real problem here in the South is what's called cultural Christianity. You know what that is. Everyone seems to go to church. It's the social and political thing to do. Although in studies of the counties that you all live in, Over 70% of the people where you live don't go to church. Anyway, cultural Christianity, you meet someone new, you ask their name, you ask where they work, and what's the next question? Where do you go to church? (laughs) But cultural Christianity can kill real Christianity. The personal relationship with Jesus gets lost. People get wrapped up in all the programs of the church, or the color of the choir robes, or the way the pews are padded, or what happened to the picture of Grandma Bertha out in the foyer? Church is no longer about knowing Jesus and sharing Jesus, but about all these things the church should be doing or not doing. And then all of a sudden, someone gets turned on to God. They come to know the Lord. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. They get so excited, they can't keep it to themselves. All of a sudden, the music isn't just a hymn or a song. It's an intimate expression of worship. All of a sudden, prayers aren't just wasted space and time. They be come meaningful dialogues and communications with God. And all of a sudden, the sermon isn't just about a cute story the pastor told or how funny he or she is. It's about being taught the Word of God and it's a meaning and application for one's life. And back to Jesus' question, is there going to be peace in that church? No. There will be division. And it happens all the time. It's a normal spiritual and social phenomenon in the kingdom of God, sadly. Is Jesus saying that division is good? No. 
I don't think so because of his teaching from John 17 that we'd all be one. I think he's saying that division is inevitable because we're human. Although he's the prince of peace and the peace he gives my soul and spirit, I wouldn't trade for anything. He's saying that his ways will not always be our ways and they'll not always lead to peace in this world. He says, these things I've spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. When you and I stand for him, there's usually tribulation. You think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on there will be five in one family divided against each other. Now, our passage this morning ends with Jesus saying to pay attention to what God is up to. Verse 54. He said to the crowd, when you see the clouds rising in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? In the context of that passage, Jesus was fulfilling his prophesied purpose on earth. At that point, he was transitioning from just being a good teacher and a healer to pointing toward the cross. But no one understood it. They could not read the signs. What about us? Can we read the signs of what God is up to in our world, in our time? Can we tell what God is doing in our country? What about our church? Can we tell what he's doing? Am I a part of what God is doing? Or am I reacting to what God is doing? Creating conflict and division. You see, I don't know about you, but I try to follow the Lord. But sometimes I can mess it. I get wrapped up in my agenda, my way of doing things, and I miss God. And sometimes the people in the church do the same thing. The Lord begins to to lead or to direct. And we're over here just, you know, trucking away, doing our own thing. And we miss God. We miss the Holy Spirit, and we create division. Pay attention to what God is up to. You don't want to miss Him. Jesus said, Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you. But division. Amen. was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. Awordfromthelord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find A Word from the Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You'll want to be sure to visit Foley's blog at bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. On the blog, you can read the many articles posted by Dr. Beach. Many of these blog entries are excerpts and full articles published in local publications. 
You can also follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at foleybeach at a word from the Lord.org. Again, his email is foleybeach at a word from the Lord.org. You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. And we thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord. <laughs>